Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We got a very special guest today. Actually, uh, well, not technically your second time since it's a different show, I suppose, but uh, more or less the same. Uh, Sunil Sharma, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Good to be back. I've been following your show. It's, it's, it's such a great, such a great concept. I don't think there's much we see like this here in the UK. So yeah, uh, really good stuff that you guys are doing. Well, tell uh, for people that didn't see the the first, when you were on American Party before, tell them about yourself, who you are, what you do. Yeah, so um, I work full time in, in in finance. That's my sort of day job. Um, I was part of a, a small team that started a group called Conserved Friends of the Commonwealth, uh, a non-profit organization, around seven years ago, um, which with the concept of trying to connect our government with other Commonwealth uh, governments across the world to sort of closer relationships with trade, uh, whether it's human rights, just trying to get more cross-collaboration. Um, for people who don't know what the Commonwealth is, it's essentially ex-British colonies, so um, countries like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, India. Um, so we, we were trying to build closer ties uh, with, with these countries. And uh, after the European Union, so we, after we had exited European Union after Brexit, the referendum vote that had happened, we thought this was a really good opportunity now for the country to be more focused on um, building trade and building relationships with people that we have a bit more historic and cultural um, uh, history with. Um, and um, so that, that's essentially how I've sort of, uh, when we started it maybe seven years ago, it was quite a small team. We've We've grown since then. It's become a lot more topical now. Um, a lot of people are. We'll, we'll talk more about the Commonwealth, and uh, we've kind of grown as a, an organization. You know, we've had lots of great people on our on our podcast, on our platform, in our uh, events. Um, we've run some cool policies that we've put forward towards our government. So it's really grown a lot more than uh, I think we all anticipated when we, when we first started. Um, and on, on on top of that, recently I've actually been selected to run um a um run as a candidate here in maidenhead cox green it's uh, a small town uh just outside of london um so i'm one of the the candidates to run as a as a councillor in local government so it's it's a lot um a bit different setup we have here in the uk compared to the states um so uh you, you essentially will you, you kind of look after a small area a small ward was what we call it mm. here um and um i'll be doing that if i win in in may sure that's great man um yeah the the only people ask me all the time about politics and running for office and stuff is like no but the only way i would ever even consider it is at that level at the lower level because that's that to me is the only uh that's that's the only kind of politics that makes sense to be honest i mean uh, i yeah i i totally agree i mean so for me uh, with the Commonwealth stuff that I've done, I've, I've naturally, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I am a Conservative Party member. That, that's the party that I'm, you know, affiliated with, and I've had, I'd say, a fair amount of pressure or pushing for me to run sort of nationally as one of the sort of members of Parliament and all this sort of stuff. And I've regularly said, no, it doesn't really interest me. Uh, what made this uh, a bit different um, is the where I'm actually standing is where I live. So I, I've grown up in Maine my whole life, um, and more specifically that within Maine there's an area called Cox Green I've 
I, I right now where I'm calling you from is called Trieste, where I you know bought my first house, and this is like you know my area if you like. So um, as soon as they approached me about running here, it was yeah I was very much on board because you know it's like I say it feels like it's this is my town, it's my area. You know I feel a genuine affiliation. You asked me to do that somewhere else in England. Mm. Probably don't have the same connection if i'm honest and i don't think it's probably the right thing to do whereas here i do feel a genuine affiliation so um I, i'm doing a lot of the stuff i'm doing now to be honest uh with this campaign is what i do anyway so there's not you know obviously i'm having to sell myself a bit more now but a lot of the stuff i was doing within the community i was doing prior to standing so it's not uh, too dissimilar hmm. um so you remember the Conservative Party, uh, the Tories, as uh, most Americans would not know that, but that's that's what that's called there. Tories and Labor, that's the divide over there. So we have Republican and Democrat here. I'm curious about um, the, the last couple of years for the Tories have been kind of tumultuous, I guess, is a, is a kind way of putting that. But um, is it are they like the Republicans here in the states, meaning they're not really conservative anymore? Because that's kind of how it is here. Republicans here are not. I mean, it. They, they're they're looking to pass bills and do stuff when and and really they should be looking to uh, like eliminate parts of the government right that's that's what conservatism is you keep the government as yeah. small as possible but that's that hasn't been the case in conservative or in Republican politics I guess for a very long time now I know the Tories led the the charge on on Brexit which now looks like it's going to work out interestingly enough yeah. and you can update me on that as well but uh i wonder if there's that same kind of disconnect between conservatism and, and people that call themselves conservative definitely i, I think it's, it's been a you know I, i've said this quite a lot on, on all the media stuff i've said that there are at times feels like there's a lot uh there isn't much conservative about this current conservative government and there hasn't been for the last you know, even prior to covid um i think COVID made things obviously a lot worse. We obviously saw a massive amount of state intervention. Um, and a lot of us were, especially maybe at the start of COVID, when the first lockdown, we were like, okay, we didn't know what this was. And we, we kind of were a bit more uh, understanding a bit post the first lockdown after the, the first set when we started to get more data and stuff on it. Um, and then we didn't see the government relinquish that power so quickly. That's when it really started to kick in. Obviously, now we're within you know, a COVID-free world now uh, here in the UK, um, but we're still seeing a lot of signs of things that don't represent conservative values. You know, the, the fact that the state power, um, the the increasing taxes, the um, like I said, there's a lot. There's a. It's hard for me to talk about very conservative things that we've done in the last few years. Now, I hope you know, that that changes in the, in the coming months and. And in years, we've got an election that will have to happen within the next 18 months or so. Um, but I, I do think there is a definite divide between, if you like, our members, so people like me, conservative members, and the actual party itself. There does seem to be, from the members I talk to within our group, Conservative Friends of the Commonwealth, or what's happening at government level, there is a massive uh, divide of what, what's happening. And I think we have to be really careful that we don't necessarily lose that if you like that base of people that will come out and always vote conservative, because if they don't see conservative values being placed, will they come out and vote as much as they do? I, it's, it's, it's questionable. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a, I mean, I, I can't speak for uh, the UK, but certainly here in the States, um, 
people are feeling more and more politically homeless. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I don't really, I don't really get down with what either of these political parties are up to these days. So what am I supposed to do? It's a hard question to answer. You know, I don't, I don't know that there is an elegant answer because uh, here, here in the States, I don't know if you guys have a, um, uh, uh, an analog to this, but here it's like the libertarian party has flashes from time to time. Green party does stuff from time to time, but it seems like the, the majority of it is focused at the national level, you know? And to me, if you're, if you're a, especially a libertarian, if you're a libertarian and your primary focus is national politics, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Right. Because that that's kind of, it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Like the, the whole purpose of that is to, is to make sure government stays as, as small as possible. So why would you force all of your effort into a federal election that you can't possibly win? You know, uh, it's it, here is a bit different because we do have uh, we have the Green Party here as well. Mm-hmm. We have a party called the Liberal Democrats. Um, so historically, you had conservatives and Labour, and then Lib Dems were in the middle. That that was the idea, like the, a bit of Labour, a bit of conservative. Um, they have been terrible nationally, um, but locally they're they're a bit better. Um, but again, the big problem for them, unlike it's what it sounds like the Libertarian Party uh, here, in the Lib Dems, they don't really have a a clear message, a clear what they believe in. Yeah, with the Labour Party, as much as I will, being a conservative, will always criticise them. There is a clear, generally for their members, they believe in you know a lot of the, the social stuff that they've done. The, the founding of you know Labour in this country has some depth, whether you agree with it philosophically or not. It has some depth behind it, and we always have the you know typically speaking, government should have play as little role as possible. The capitalistic kind of philosophy, they don't really stand for much, so they often find themselves in the middle where they they're what I call the protest votes. So you know you're. I'm a conservative person. I'm so angry at the current government. I can never vote Labour because they're the you know the actual enemy and they're too far. So I vote Lib Dem, and that's the kind of uh, what we have here in this country. They don't really do much nationally. They don't. They, they have a few MPs, but they're not. You know, they don't play any role uh, locally. They're a bit more popular, um, but again, if you ask what they actually believe in, what what gets them going, what gets their activism going, a lot of the time it will be we hate the Tories or we hate Labour or mm. whatever the, in that area, wherever they're situated, that tends to be the messaging as opposed to saying, you know, we're really focused on actually, you know, enforcing, you know, making sure our civil liberties are, uh, you know, that, that, that we, we hold these or that they have, I don't know, uh, the NHS needs to be saved and we need to make sure everyone has free health. You know, there's no real clear, they kind of flip to whatever's the socially cool, trendy thing that's going on. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of the same here, to be honest. Like, there, it's pe- people still widely view libertarianism uh, at any level as a protest vote because no one's really won any major elections. I mean, people who espouse uh, libertarianism, I guess, have won a couple of times, but they don't really last long in politics, and they never win under the libertarian banner. It's always Republican, typically, I, I guess. I, I think one independent uh, at, at the federal level is one, but... Um, anyways, catching up with the whole Brexit thing. So can you run me through it? Give me a brief history of this stuff and where we are now. So, uh, yeah, referendum uh, 2016. Um, I mean, it was uh, a, a massive moment. I, no one predicted the, the outcome of that result. I don't think um, 
it was widely seen as almost impossible. Uh, similar time moment to when Trump months later gets elected in, in the States, a lot of people saw the two as massive moments. Um, and you know, there'd be lots of people here in the UK that would argue Brexit, if it wasn't for Brexit, maybe Trump doesn't win. It was a massive, that kind of moment of, you know, getting rid of, um, uh, not getting rid of, but, you know, targeting globalization, the the impacts that, you know what, people in London or in and around London, you've done really well from globalization, you've done really well in this kind of climate, but the rest of our country hasn't. Um, there, there's lots of different caveats to it. You know, there's immigration was a massive issue. Um, I think it, in the end, that polled as the main reason people voted for Brexit. Um, but there's lots of other issues. The European unions, uh, all their officials are unelected. Um, so the head of, heads of European unions, the, the, the leaders within the organization um, are unelected. They were getting more and more power. They're asking more and more power within these countries. Um, more and more demands to the UK, um, more and more funding from the UK asked. So th there was a mat. This was a a something that was going on for a long time. Um, David Cameron, uh, at the time the Prime Minister of the Conservative Party, had a lot of people within his own party that were very much we need to leave the European Union, um, and he went to the European Union to hold some concessions, basically saying to the European Union, look. Like my, my country's at a tipping point. If if you don't if we don't actually engage in discussions and you actually take us seriously and um start to think about the future of this, there's a chance we may actually leave. And I and I'm worried that the public are gonna take the side of some of my MPs and also want to leave the European Union. In the end, the Europeans sort of laughed him off, no concessions made, nothing changed, held the referendum, and the result was uh overwhelmingly uh for this country to leave the European Union. Um, since then, it's been pretty chaotic. Um, we've not been able to agree uh, whether it's with the European Union, whether it's our own party, whether it's our own MPs, whether it's as a country, what to do, what Brexit means, what does that look like? There's other European counterparts, Norway, who are not part of the European Union. They're in Europe. But they have an agreement with the European Union. So we've we've explored so many different angles. Um, the biggest problem we first had was agreeing as a as a as a parliament on what that looks like um and we, we, as you guys have probably seen we've gone through quite a few mm -hmm. prime ministers to try and get to this this point um and it seems now we finally have agreed on a framework um you know this issue was specifically northern ireland which is the one that everyone's been talking about um northern ireland is part of the uk republic of ireland isn't your republic of ireland is part of the european union northern ireland isn't so there's been a massive sort of conflict and debate what happens to these two countries um we're still getting all the details now they've, they've released a windsor framework that's what they've called it um i'm sure we'll, we'll learn more exactly what that entails all we now know is that european union and the uk are in agreement of brexit of a, a, a comprehensive brexit deal happening so if you like we are officially seven years later uh leaving the european union so um yeah it's been a a, a pretty crazy seven years there's been times when it this looked like this was never going to happen um so you know i i know for a lot of people what when that agreement happened when rishi Sunak, when that was uh when we got uh, news of that happening was a massive deal for a lot of people um you've got people who have campaigned you know practically their whole life to leave the european union um so as you can imagine it's 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 a fairly big deal for that for those people uh frustrating it's taken this long but. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, well, I mean, look, it's governments, right? And then you you have a government and then 
I guess technically three governments plus a larger government body, that's not going to be efficient. You know what I mean? There's so many competing interests and stuff. Um, I want to, before we get on to the, the meat and potatoes of this show, one last England thing. What's up with uh, Matt Hancock? This dude, I, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the most recent yeah. stuff here, but this is one of the worst things I think I've ever seen in my life. You know what? I, I, I don't know what exactly is going to happen. I, I don't know if it will go down this road, but I, I, I think this some really sinister criminal. Mm. You know, I, I think it is. It, in some ways, is a you know, I, I, I read. Really he's no longer a conservative MP. He's he was removed of his whip a while ago. So he's technically an independent. Uh, but even if he was, I, I think. What he's done, I, I think they they seriously need to question um, the criminality of it. The fact that he allowed his WhatsApp messages to be controlled by a journalist, a man who is the health secretary, you know, probably the third or fourth most powerful person in our country, on a just a basic security level, that is just crazy to think about uh, that exposure that a journalist can have over one of our leading politicians. And then before we even go into the rest of what happened with COVID um, in terms of the the most recent thing that we've seen is about how he wanted to introduce the the new variant to the public in a scary way to scare them as much as possible was his exact words. Mm. Uh, I think it's really sick. And there's something, I, I, I don't know what goes on in, in, in his head, to be honest. It's a, uh, I think he's going down the celebrity route it's clearly that you know he's on a, a British show called "I'm a Celebrity Here," uh, where you, know, you go in the jungle for you know I don't know the exact period, maybe a month or two, um, and you know he, he clearly is going. It seems to be doing a celebrity. That's where he wants to go, I think, as opposed to being you know helping his country. But you know it is really damaging, just as a country, the fact that we had a health secretary that was willing to compromise um, serious bits of information to a journalist. And quite frankly, tell paint a picture of trying to instill fear into his fellow country members. I I, I think there's something really twisted and wrong. Um, and and it's a shame looking back at some of these messages that Boris, the the prime minister at the time, didn't actually go um, with his his gut, with his intuition. He's repeatedly said in a lot of these whatsapp messages and, and it's all been leaked now we can see all the messages of him saying stuff like so this new variant or this you know virus you're talking about it only affects people over the age of 80 the mortality is it really fair that we're going to shut down a, a country and an economy for a group of people that are at risk um that the ones that are at risk are over 80 and even those ones they've got a strong mortality rate and even start saying stuff like i think they would understand that we can't do this for future generations it's just a real shame he didn't really go with that gut i think looking back in hindsight um but yeah i think matt hancock i i, I don't know if it's if it will happen but i think there's some seriously criminal charges that surely must be placed on that man. you would think so right i mean a truly detestable human being he is and now uh boris is maybe position himself to be prime minister again we'll see you know uh that'll be an uh, look the re the next year and a half is going to be pretty interesting for you guys uh politically speaking and yeah. I, gu I guess for us as well the shit's going to hit the fan here too um for for those of you who don't know um matt hancock is the 
was England's health secretary, which is, like as you said, a very high-ranking position in the government, especially during a time of a health crisis. He, he's your Fauci, basically. and uh, yeah. But with considerable more power in England than Fauci has here. He's, Fauci's an advisor. He can't set policy. Matt Hancock had the ability to actually set policy, which is different. Um, and you can read all this stuff. The Telegraph did a great piece on it. It's crazy. Just giving up your uh, your private government messages to a journalist like that seems like it's criminal. Um, colluding with the media to, to scare people seems criminal. I, if if that's not criminal, it, I, maybe it should be, right? I mean, that seems yeah. problematic. At any rate, let's get on to the actual show here. So the show Citizen is named such because of my favorite definition of a citizen, which is a, a person who has the rights and responsibilities conferred to them by, you know, being a, a, a citizen of a state, whatever it happens to be. The important part of it to me is the rights and responsibilities, Right. Because when when Ben Franklin said that you shouldn't surrender your liberty for temporary security, this is kind of what he meant, right? Like when you trust higher how, higher authorities, whomever they happen to be, to secure your rights for you, they're going to secure them in the in the with the means and in the manner that they so choose, not in any way that reflects your needs or respects your rights. They're going to do. They're going to try to leverage that against you, right? So. If, you, if you're content to just sit back and bitch and moan about your, <clears throat> your own rights and how they're violated or whatever um, without actually doing anything to secure your rights, then you're just a subject, right? And, and it's 2023. We're, we're kind of past that at this point. I mean, people have a lot of power these days. And for some reason, we keep trading our power in like tokens um, to get iPads and, and Hot Pockets and shit like that, right? Just to get some mild convenience into our lives, which seems ridiculous to me. But uh, getting in, into the, the principles, you, you picked uh, several, but let's start with the first one here. Um, I'll do something every day to help my country. My countrymen are all men. Uh, why did that one jump off the page to you? I, I think for me with the UK, uh, written... England, I have a bit of a, I think it's like a, a special uh, a feeling. Um, and I used to think it was just maybe me or, or there's not too many people like me in the sense of I am, both my parents weren't born in the UK. They were born in, in India. Uh, one of my parents came, uh, my mom came when she was nine years old. Uh, my dad came in his in his twenties, um, and they would look at this country as the country that gave them everything that they're both from. Their stories are are, are pretty bad when they come into this country. They, they both come in in not great circumstances. Um, both work in very, you know, working class environments. Um, you know jobs that you know anyone could do that require no qualifications basically um my mum was a housekeeper my dad was a bus driver and what i loved and what is incredible to me is i i saw um to be honest some of it i didn't see if, I, if i'm being brutally honest because you'd probably have to ask my older brothers um they would have seen more of it but i saw the journey you can do in this country when you work and you dedicate yourself to working hard 
putting um you know making incredible sacrifices you can really do something in this country you know you can go from being very working class very poor and in that same lifetime be living in an area now in you know my parents live near where i live here uh, in windsor mainnet into one of the more affluent areas of the uk you can do that within 20 30 40 years and that is incredible when you put it in context of most countries in the world i think we sometimes forget this sometimes in the west how incredible that is that you can do that regardless of your race religion or your background and so for me when i was growing up um as as a kid my parents would often always say to me you are so lucky to be born in this country of all the countries you could have been born in this is an incredible country the fact that you will be born you have no you know you're you've got a basic education here you can uh, obviously we have universal healthcare but you know we we have you, you have everything you, you you have all the options and you can do what you want with your life and i've always had like in that opinion to me i've always felt so passionate about my country and providing and, and supporting and doing so because i think i see with my with where my parents were came into this country and the fact that they're not um uh, that they're not born in britain what life could have been like what life could have been like had i had my parents not come to this country had they been had they stayed in india and what that alternative life would have been and i can tell you it would not be nowhere near the same as what it is now so for me it's always been i've got a responsibility and a duty to to do something in this country otherwise you know what was what was the point of my parents coming here in the first place so I, that when i saw that one that was the one that definitely that and the second one were the ones that definitely jumped out to me the most right now get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babble.com forward slash citizen now one of the most exciting things about the new year about any new year is that you have uh, no idea what, what adventures are in store for you throughout the year, what you're going to be doing travel-wise, uh, if you're going to get a new job, picking up new skills. There's no better way to prepare for 2023 than by learning a new language with Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Uh, thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can feel confident no matter where the new year takes you. Uh, I'm personally planning on going to Eastern Europe Later this year, um, we're going to go to probably the Caribbean or Mexico or maybe both. So I'm going to bone up on a little bit of at least the conversational stuff so I don't sound like an idiot, right? Uh, with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete an individual lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Uh, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers, so you can get that real authentic accent. Um, you can choose from up to 14 languages. Uh, they, they have speech recognition technology, which again will help you improve your pronunciation and accent. And there's a bunch of different ways to learn. In addition to the lessons, you can listen to podcasts, games, uh, you can uh, play games, there's video stories, even live classes sometimes. So uh, the last part of that is it comes with a 20 day money back guarantee. So if you're not thrilled with it, if it just doesn't do what it what you need it to do, then you can get your money back. But I promise you that will not be the case. I've used this myself. It's very effective. Start your language, uh, new language learning journey today with Babbel right now. Get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash American. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash American for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life.
This episode of Citizens is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months at five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything, Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast rounds and delivery schedule anytime you like members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts the best value you're going to get from black rifle coffee is the coffee club as again you can choose the roast whether you're like light dark or medium you can choose the texture you can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean or if you use a curry and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. Now, well, now a lot of people have this, um, a lot of people your age and younger, especially people who are the children of immigrants or grandchildren of immigrants to a Western country, um, talk a lot about the history of colonization and how, uh, you know, it is just a, a, a sign of white supremacy that you're being asked to assimilate into a culture. Like, there's a couple of things that bother me about that. One, <clears throat> the idea that success and hard work are somehow intrinsically white attributes is is, and that's fucking stupid. That that's nobody thinks that in real life, do they? Like, you can't possibly think that. That's dumb. But people people do, or at least they trick themselves into believing that shit. Uh, and I, I guess the question is, do you think that first generation immigrants to Western countries today have the same attitude that your parents did or that my great grandparents did or something like that? Because I don't it doesn't seem like it. Right. We what we what I've seen lately is that we see first generation or second generation Americans become political activists who are trying to fucking tear down the country. It's a tough one, Dan, because the thing is. I, if you asked me this maybe a couple of years ago, I, I would have agreed. I would have said, I, I don't think most people have the way we're, we're thinking about this. I, I have to say, I've seen a lot of people that are very similar to my way of thinking. So the the there, there are some really good examples of this. And some of it is, you know, I'm going to generalize here mm-hmm. and I'm going to really give like stereotypes. But there are some data data to, to back this up. Um, you look at the... So I'm obviously Indian descent, British Indians in this country. Um, we, in terms of 
in comparison to British white, on every single spectrum, we're doing better. So every single spectrum you can do, less likely to go to jail, mm. more likely to. So when people say colonization or race, this is a racist country, which is a new thing that people start saying is institutionally racist, it is so bloody stupid because it, it, how can that be when you've got brown colored skin people doing better in a proportionality wise? It makes no sense. So I'd say that community, I wouldn't, I would say, I I think if you ask those people, I don't think they would say they would prescribe to that. Um, but then I think it, a lot of it does depend on your upbringing and who you're sort of around. So for me, for example, when I was growing up, the first thing my parents would say, you are British first, you're everything else afterwards. So you're Indian, you're, you're Hindu, mm -hmm. you're all these other things. So straight away, it's, you know, you're wearing English clothes, you, you're, you're wearing, you're speaking the language, you're, you're, you're reading that you are, this is your country. And then you're all those things as well. You, you know, your, your name is your name, but you need to understand that this is, I don't think necessarily some of the, the generation I see now are doing the same thing. I don't think they come in and say, I'm America, this is my country. Mm. And I want to make sure that this country actually improves. And I want to be a part of uh, making a difference for this country because, you know, there's some things maybe I don't like about it and that's fine. You know, no country is perfect, but I don't think they necessarily think like that. And I do get your point of the sort of justice, this, I don't know, this race war that they're enraging with themselves. But I would also, I would argue, I've seen it a lot more in, in this country in particular with, I would say, middle to upper class white people aged between 18 and 40 in urban areas. I think they're the people, from what I've seen, they're the ones who will enforce and they will say to me, this is such a racist country, isn't it? You know, it's so hard for a brown man or a black man to do something. And I'm just like, are you fucking, like, what, what are you, like, how, why are you telling me how I should think? Sure, like, yeah. I, I, like, why not just, like, engage? So, I don't know, again, America's maybe different, but in this country, I, I've no, seen it's, a massive... It's about yeah. the same, yeah. I, I mean, you, you see most of the, uh, the activists who are people of color are grifters, right like blm they're just stealing money from people and spending it on houses but yeah the the people that are really getting after it seem to be uh, in america it's almost uh, obviously you're going to get that shit from the younger crowd but for a, a actual adults it's mostly white women here for some reason i don't, oh, okay. I, don't I don't know why and it's it's very bizarre it's it's almost a, a parallel to the way that feminism is being expressed in america now with uh, through tr transgenderism, like men are taking away the spaces that, that have been historically women's and then telling them right. how to, how to express femininity. It's like, man, that does sound an awful lot like some white person who's never faced any discrimination in life telling an Indian dude how he should feel about his plight, I guess, you know what I mean? Which, you know, it, I, I don't know what that is. Is it, is it hubris? Is it like, they still feel like you're, uh, something sub- to the rest of us, maybe. I mean, it, it feels like it's yeah. rooted in it. Honestly, it feels like that is rooted in some form of white supremacy. Like we're, we're, we're the ones who are successful. You should listen when we tell you that things are bad, even though things are going pretty well for you. You know what I mean? That, it, I don't understand how, how that fucking can come out of somebody's mouth. I, I think some of it is genuinely like a lack of purpose in life. Like I, I think some of these, these groups of people, you know, I'm not the most religious man in the world, but, you know, sometimes I do think, you know, I, I've been tackling this question a lot in 
the the stuff that I do in both uh, locally and and uh, the Commonwealth is why why are, why do so many of these people exist? And some of it sometimes I think is just a lack of purpose. I, I don't think these people have um, they're not sitting there uh, with real jobs. They're not sitting there trying to. You know, if you're working five days a week and you have a proper job and you're trying to pay for your mortgage or rent or whatever you're doing, I just don't think you have the time to think about these things. I don't think you you ask my parents and you ask other immigrants, you know, parents. I think if you ask them, they would say that they just didn't have the time. That they didn't weren't sitting there thinking like, you know, am I being discriminated? Am I the active? You're just thinking, I've got to feed my child. I've got to go out and work, and like that's it. And I don't think you have the time. I think a lot of these people have a lack of purpose and i think they're just trying to find it some way and this makes them feel really righteous it makes them feel really good that they're helping vulnerable victim people who have been historically you know being you know shitted on so now i'm going to be the savior of some sort when it's the best thing these people a lot of them could do is get a job try and one day get a family and be a good neighbor be a good father be a good husband be a good friend if you could do those things i think you're doing so much for society just that alone but for some reason that group decides i think it's better if i you know start tearing down buildings tearing down statues tearing down institutions that have no relevance to what they're talking about so i i i'm i'm starting to think for a lot of them i think there's a lack of purpose in their lives and i think they're trying to find something and this seems to be the thing that at the moment they're finding yeah i mean i i've always i've always given um people the this advice just because you disagree with somebody's solution to a problem doesn't mean you should just that you should believe the problem doesn't exist right so um where there's smoke there's fire i guess is a is an american way of putting that but it's like whether it's whether it's the the problem that they're even defining doesn't really matter you're you're seeing the problem and i agree with you i think it is purposelessness it's just and it's a good it's also a good trait to have that you you feel uncomfortable or you feel like things aren't going well like things are good for you but things aren't going well for other people and you have the internal impetus to try to do something about that we shouldn't shit on that i don't, I don't think yeah and we we spend a lot of time doing it because i mean in fairness the things that these people say are fucking stupid right but the the motivation i think is correct they're just captured by an ideology that is uh, uh, uh blurred the lines between reality and fiction a little bit um so i one of the other um one of the other principles you chose is I'll put more into this country than I take out of it. And I think that kind of comes into play here. It's like we have these great leaders through history who, well, great leaders, we have these leaders through history who have said, you know, things that make a lot of sense. Like um, uh, JFK says uh, you should be, you shouldn't ask what the country can do for you. You should be asking what you can do for the country. And it's not, I think people take it the wrong way. It's like, not that you, not that you're a subject of the country and that you should put patriotism above all all else. It's because it's a formula that works, right? Like if you put your effort into making things around you better, then things get better. And more people uh, uh, that see you doing that will start to do the same, right? Yeah, d definitely. I think that's, I love that one. That that's probably one of my favorite ones. That uh, of of the list of putting more into this country than taking out. Um, I I think if we all had that 
view and opinion, I think our countries would be in a much better place. And that, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like whether it's monetary, like money mm. or energy or, or anything. I, I think it's just having the understanding that when you contribute more in society, you, you, you'll get more back as well like you know it's it's better that your neighborhood is clean and safe because is you can walk at night and you know if you decide to have kids your kids can walk at night. like it's there's a mutual benefit from that like you, you will get a massive benefit I, I wished like um you know i know for me personally like i, I talked at the start you know growing up in mainland i'm in cox green it's my town blah blah but i've always had that feeling wherever i go when i'm ever whether it's with work or traveling or whatever I'm doing, I always try to not adapt, but I always try to, you know, when I came, you know, visit you guys in, in Texas, I wanted to, I always have a thing. I want to go to a, a sports, something sports related in the, in the country I'm going to, uh, something cultural. Um, I want to eat their food just so that, you know, if I go to Texas, I just as almost a respect thing. I, I, I've got to not act like a Texas person, but, I show a general cultural awareness mm -hmm. and have that respect for man. I can't go there and start saying, why have you guys got guns? Like this is so like you, you've got to go there with an open mind and say, this is, you know, for this one week period or two week period, I'm in Texas. I'm one of you guys. And I'm trying to listen and adapt and trying to go away. And I go away from experience thinking, Oh, I really liked that about Texas. Didn't like that. And I wish we saw more of that from people um, in their own countries, let alone when they're traveling, let alone when they're going into different places just to really have that that spirit that this especially when it's your own country especially when you live there i i, I think it should be almost without saying that you you put in somebody to this country there's no point moaning about something there's no point crying you've got to try and find solutions otherwise what is the point i i that's my only sometimes i feel like in in our country at the moment i, I know social media makes it so much worse um is there is a real lack of people who are willing to contribute to when I said the country, I, I, I mean, your, your little community outside. Mm. I, I, I mean, your, your neighbor who, who can't, who is in their eighties and they can't go shopping every single day. And they like this basic stuff. It worries me sometimes in this country that when I don't see that often where that kind of, not that sacrifice, but just a general care for your, like your community or society. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to me how the activist class in the West, a big part of their messaging is that you are to respect other people's cultures, right? That you're to um, be accepting of other beliefs and, and things like that, provide space for people to do whatever the fuck. Um, but in reality, or at least in, in their action, it seems like they have a very narrow worldview and if you don't fit into it, then you get one of these labels, right? Like Nazi or whatever stupid shit they're yep. saying these days, Russian, right? I guess is one now for some reason, people that don't want a world war are Russian sympathizers, I guess these days, which is a, that's an interesting development. <laughs> I'll say that. But yeah, it's like, um, I guess it kind of comes back to what you were saying before about staying busy, right? Idle hands are the devil's plaything. that somebody smarter than us said that at some point, but, it is true, and I, and I don't think it, it's weird to me what we focus on in our personal lives, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I've been victim uh, to it, or I've been victim of my own stupidity in that way as well. Uh, like, 
we set out a lot of times in life, like I'm going to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to be a lot of people are like focused on being happy. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Like as a state, mm-hmm. as an ongoing state of happiness, I'm not sure what, how people define that. I think maybe they mean content with a little extra, maybe, I don't know, but, um, we've done it at the peril, uh, at, at the, at the risk of, of forgetting who we are. Right. I mean, we are biologically programmed to do certain things, be social creatures, to have children and things like that. And once again, in human history, we think we've smarted out nature, right. Or outsmarted nature rather. And, uh, that never works out, does it? I mean, it's, I'm not saying that everybody needs to be go out and have five kids or whatever the fuck. But, um, it is, if you don't feel the biological imperative to have children at some point in your twenties, thirties or forties, uh, as a man, especially, I think there might be something wrong with you, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, it's like, that literally is the very base coding of our biology. So yeah. you maybe should ask yourself why that's not the case, or you should say, you know what, uh, uh, Maybe I need to prioritize the things that make sense. Like we, we every, in every other facet of our lives, we approach it approach it with almost, uh, well, with some level of scientific rigor, right? So if I'm if I've got, if I want to lose ten pounds, I I can know how to do that. Just a cal- caloric deficit for a long enough, probably ten weeks to lose ten pounds, something like that. Um, like there's a method behind the madness there. We know exactly how to get it done, but for some reason, and when we when we decide what we're going to do in our, with our, with our lives, we don't really respect that, that same strategy. Mm-hmm. It seems bizarre to me, but I, I mean, again, I've, I've fucked that up myself when, in my younger days. So I wonder what that is. I wonder, maybe it's just all the distractions these days. Maybe it's the, the relative comfort and convenience of modern life. You know what I mean? Where you don't have to necessarily fight to stay alive all the time. So now I've got time to look in the mirror and you know, that didn't turn out too well for narcissists, did it? No, I, I agree. I think, unfortunately, a massive, you know, I, I'm 100% guilty of it. And um, and I, I don't think there is like a, a universal answer, but I, I do agree with the the being a father, being, a, you know, um, that biological aspect seems to be ignored. And I, I think it's so easy for us to get our quick fixes now of, mm. of, of happiness. Um, I, I, I'm definitely guilty of it. And I think a lot of the energy and a lot of the, I, I think there's a lot of lost people in, in general. I think maybe, you know, we, we think we're, we're probably smarter than we've ever been. We, we're definitely technology way ahead than we've ever been. But I think there's a real amount of lost people. And sometimes you know, I think we're the information age, but this information, just because you have more information doesn't necessarily mean you have more knowledge. And I think we're the age of information. We've got information overload. We can find out anything and everything that we want. Um, and sometimes I think we miss the basic stuff of just being a good friend, being mm-hmm. a good, well, being a good partner, being a good that basic kind of stuff seems to be instead I'd rather, and you know, I'm guilty of it. Instead I'd rather sit here and spend three hours researching about Russia and Ukraine. Likely it's not going to have zero impact on my life. Okay. Yeah. Inflation, whatever, but you know, the, the actual physical, I'm not, it's not going to realistically impact me. Um, and I, I'd rather do that because and in some ways that's actually easier as well than for me to sit here and say, 
I've actually been a ship friend for the last mm. three years to this person. I've actually been a, a ship partner, ship boyfriend. You know, it, it's so, it was so much easier for me to say, you know what? But you know what I'm doing? I'm actually on Twitter and I'm actually educating people about why sh everyone should be a vegan. And that's so much bigger and it's so much more important because, you know, I'm influencing loads of people when I'm being selfless because, you know, I'm not focusing on, you know, trying to get a wife, trying to get married, trying to have kids. I'm doing something bigger than all of this. And I'm going to tell everyone that veganism is the way forward. And so I'm, it's this, this false um, right rightfulness, I don't know the word, but this false kind of um, beliefs. And I think if you ask those people deep down, are they happy in their lives? I think the resounding answer is no. I, I, I don't think they're at all fulfilled. Maybe they are for the early part of their 20s. Mm. And maybe I think once you get past that stage, I think you'd if you ask those people, I think they're deeply unhappy. And I, I, I don't think they are remotely fulfilled. And I think sometimes these small, like you've said, biological things that we're programmed to do are, are, are probably the most powerful and arguably the best things of life. So I think um, I, I think there's a real lostness that mm. social media and, and information in general, I think has caused like this generation. Yeah, I sure. agree. I think there's an element of uh, this whole cult of self-care has been very damaging for Western society. You know what I mean? Where it's like, at what point, in, in what philosophy ever in human history or religion or uh, anything like that, has it been noble to put yourself before other people? You know what I mean? Like, we, this is a relatively new thing. Um, now you mm. could say the Epicurean stuff where the, he just wants to, you know, be a little hedonistic and shit like that. But there's still this underlying thing where it's like, you, well, you don't do stuff at other people's expense. Um, and mm. you certainly, uh, you, you at least put some effort towards the common good at some point. Um, and it's, it's fooled a lot of young people into thinking that struggling is a bad thing, that sacrifice, that pressure, you know what I mean? Or there are bad things. So people will say something like, well, I don't want to have kids because I want to travel or I want to improve my career for a while or I want to do this or I don't want the responsibility. It's like, you may think that, right? But that's not true. And if you ask, you know, our parents' generation, <clears throat> like, were you ready to have kids? They're like, no, nobody's ready to have kids. You just fucking do it, man. Mm. Cause that's what you do. Right. Uh, but we, we've, we've kind of uh, evaporated all of the resiliency out of our culture now. And it's starting to show major impacts. I mean, for the first time in a very long time, we're on pace to start uh, for the population to start dropping in major countries across the world. Like not even just the United States, China's having a problem with this as well, which you wouldn't have thought that would have been the case. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I, I think it's worrying. I, I, I see it so much in, in, in the UK. Um, and I, I, I genuinely don't necessarily have the answer. Like sometimes I sit there and I think, you know, religion has has its part and it has played its role. There's there's clear issues when we've seen just throughout history when that they that religion has become too powerful and we have too much of influence from them. Um, and you know I've really tried to think about what the the kind of solution is. And I and I've just come down to the general. It's about your um i i really simple it, for men being aspiring to be good fathers good husband good sons and good friends i i think if you can adopt those basic principles and you know maybe you can't actually have kids maybe it's too late maybe whatever but i think if you aspire 
all those those aspirations in life i think you'll be a much better person than than anyone that's on than any of these political activists than any of um any of these groups of these organizations full of people who um are, are, are ramming down their mm. philosophy in, into people's mouths and i think you'd be a much much would be much better society for it and i think the way to promote that is is very very difficult in in this country and i'm guessing it's the same in in in, in for you guys it's you, you're labeled a traditionalist a conservative mm. and all this sort of stuff and i take it back 20 30 years ago that was just normal it wasn't political it wasn't it wasn't an ideology it was very basic whereas now i think it's even saying something like what i've just said i think that would be considered a political ideology for sure i don't think it would be um considered anymore as just a general moral thing to do in in society so i think it's it's a challenging one um and i just hope like a lot of things it's a, a cyclical sort of effect i think maybe we'll see this generation when they get to their 40s and 50s and 60s realize we really fucked up like this actually wasn't fulfilling those hours i spent on twitter bashing random people and starting you know doing absolutely nothing with my life when i maybe should have gone out and i've seen a few of my friends have kids and get married mm -hmm. or whatever and i think maybe that's what will happen maybe you know that will happen in this cycle and the next one will will be a bit more more caring and thinking of these things yeah you would like to think so i mean it's it does seem like we spend a lot of time valuing the opinions of and uh hating people that we don't know i wonder if i wonder if this has happened before and in, in in western history at least where it's like so much of your validation comes from people you may never meet like this vegan crusader you you characterize um maybe they see some data at some point that more people are vegan, but helping a kid learn to ride a bicycle and seeing the joy in that kid's face after they learned, whether it's your kid or not, it could be some dick from the neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. That you, you get like a genuine experience with another human being where you've done, you've used your wisdom, strength, power, knowledge, whatever it is to help that child or help that person, even if it's just, you know, another adult. And then you get immediate feedback from that. Thank you. Like you're welcome, that was good. But I, I can yeah, you help I, some, you I, help someone in the aggregate, and you don't ever get that genuine feedback again. Instead, we've become addicted to f like trivial feedback in the form of dopamine hits from people we'll never meet in real life. You know what I mean? That seems very damaging. I I, I couldn't agree anymore. Like you know, for me, like I I, I can think of so many examples. Um, just growing up you know i i know i talked earlier about me sort of running as a counselor for where i'm running uh the history behind that going even further back is my, my dad um was actually a counselor where i grew up uh, it also made in a different part called first plat and um i remember back then just little things like he'd fixed a bench he didn't physically fix the bench but you know he, he made people aware uh this bench was basically broken uh, in this park and you know, you, you literally saw, I think, I think, like, two people in their 70s are almost, like, in tears, like, just so happy that somebody's fixed and gone out and done something. That, you know, that kind of value, that kind of feeling that you get from physically helping someone and seeing the reward is just incredible. And and I've seen it, I, you know, my local community, just little stuff like getting someone to fix a street 
post a street lamp mm-hmm. and like it's just it's it's different and you know even though i would argue my comma stuff i do a lot bigger and it's a lot more you know cooler stuff and like with senior leaders it's nowhere near the same feeling as when you knock on someone's door and you say oh by the way this has happened and you get a different feeling that in some ways is illogical because it's just one small little thing that what difference does it really make but then you realize actually it does that's what part of being mm-hmm. part of a community being a good citizen resident that's what it's about these little things add up and you create a society that um you have a loving community which i think is what generally the west has been amazing at. It's, it's one of the reasons why us us you know we've been why people clamor to come to these countries and why they're so desperate is we genuinely have a community aspect within our societies we genuinely care um it definitely seems to have gone backwards in the last few years um but but I'm, I'm hopeful a lot of this stuff like you say is biological so i think the more and more people see it and the more they see the lack of value that they get from some of the stuff that they're pursuing now um i i, I think we'll see that change i just i'm worried that it's going to take a while i'm worried that we're going to have to go through that kind of really shitty phase of where there's a generation that are just like yeah we're unfulfilled we're angry and then you're going to see the not the riots but you're going to see a lot of you know we already have a suicide crisis as it is and i i can see that increasing more and more yeah it's like we're experiencing um a cultural depression i guess is how i would put that where you know our our well here in the states our our parents had uh their parents went through the great depression right um and it was tough and they were very cautious about like instructing you to hedge right save some money because shit can go down uh make sure you're self-reliant to some degree because all this might not exist anymore and i wonder what those conversations are going to be like 20 or 30 years from now with you know, the grandkids they don't have, I guess. Um, you know what I mean? Like, to whom will this wisdom be imparted exactly to not get captured by all the bright, shiny shit and, you know, just do the right thing day to day. Um, uh, the last one here that you picked was, I will not sacrifice liberty for security. Um, that seems obvious, right? We've been talking about it in Western culture for a very long time, since probably the... 16th century you know what i mean uh and it's i'm think i'm actually thinking about modifying this one a little bit because we we also have been sacrificing our liberty just for convenience you know mm. which is uh problematic but i wonder what your take on that is agrees i i think that one sprang out to me just because of what we i think it's just so relevant for what's happened in the last few years i, I think it's been happening for a longer period but this with the covid situation lockdown sort of stuff and that was just so clear that is literally an example of of that um what again i i'm, I'm going to take it back to again uh my upbringing and and the um the experience from that and in some ways you just value core these core western beliefs so much more when you're not necessarily your heritage isn't from the west and this is what makes the, why the west has been so successful this century is for values like this and unfortunately the world does not agree with that statement today like a lot mm. of people would 
you know, you you go east, you go you go towards Asia, they will not agree with that statement remotely. And I think that's what makes us so special and incredible. And I think we, if you don't fight for this sort of stuff, you will lose it. And what COVID, the lockdown shows that it's actually not as hard as people thought to lose, um, for people to start sacrificing liberty for security. We did it. We, we literally did this for two years. And it didn't take a lot. It, it wasn't like um, um, we did it as bad as this flu or virus was. It was a flu or virus. We did this. And we did it as a society without blinking. So um, I think that should be very conscious on people's heads um, regularly because um, without that, what does really Western culture stand for? That That is one of the massive founding beliefs of it. And I think we have to seriously prepare to fight for it now. Because um, like I said, we, we've we done this. We, we've, we've gone against this mm. basic principle. Um, and now what are people going to do to make sure that, that that doesn't happen again? And unfortunately, what scares me is um, I'm seeing more and more people arguing uh, about the need to sometimes sacrifice liberty for security. That that, that genuinely concerns me. I, I see that within my own party, which I never thought I'd ever see. Um, I see that definitely on the left all the time. Um, and so that definitely concerns me. And I think it's something that I I would love to see a lot more people be active about and almost giving very basic education on why it's so important. Well, yeah, but... I, here's the, here's the issue I think I, I see. So people will walk by a piece of trash on the ground and they'll divert their eyes or they'll see somebody slip and fall. They'll divert their eyes because they know when you, when you look at it, when you acknowledge it, then you accept responsibility, right? And mm. um, I think all of these all these euphemistic phrases people would use these days to, to kind of eschew uh, away any kind of responsibility for securing their their own rights and the rights of others and the rights of the future generations, it's it seems like it's on a pretty severe downward spiral, right? Because now we're starting to hear people moralize surrendering your liberty for the common good. It's like, no, that's not ever what this has been about. The individual is what has mattered. And that's the, like a ground-up structure. That is what Western society is meant to be. And that's how uh, every great philosopher from the West... Uh, uh, has has agreed that that's the case, and now it's like once you once you admit these things that the that state power can be leveraged against you at any moment, then you have to start one fighting back against state power, and then two you have to start doing the things that the state was doing for you, right? So you have to start getting involved in your community and in your infrastructure in your community, like not just. The community itself and how everybody's doing but the the power the gas you know what i mean like you have to start taking some the bridges and roads and stuff you have to start taking some responsibility for the things around you and it doesn't seem uh like the bulk of folks are really into that and that's that's one of my main goals with all of this stuff that i do is that just to make people realize that there is no trustworthy person at the state and a good statesman would never demand or ask that you just trust them right because that's not how that works it's like any other business deal like i here's my credentials and bona fides here's my plan let's do this but if somebody was just like ah just trust me if you if somebody asked you to invest like the 10 
to $20,000 a year, the average person pays in collective taxes, whether it's property, income, uh, social security, and then sales tax and stuff. It's somewhere in that range for most people. If somebody just came to you today and said, hey, give me 10 grand, just trust me, you would be like, fuck you. Because that's a ridiculous premise and nobody would agree to that. But for some reason, because it's the state, people capitulate to that. And it seems insane to me, right? Like you can't live your life that way. And if, and in fact, we're living in the result of living your life that way right now. It's where f- from, from a virus with a 99.9997% survival rate for most people, they were able to lock down the entire world for two years, right? Like that, that should be the only evidence you need that you should be doing everything you possibly can to uh, remove state power and then respond in kind that is to say start doing the things the state used to do for you uh what seriously scares me is i I, i've seen stats about people wanting the state to do more in in this country Mm -hmm. like i i you know i I, it was happening before covid We, we were seeing more signs of state power increasing increasing and this is under a conservative government. This is the the guys who are supposed to be the anti, you know, anti-state power. Well, you know, the Republicans in America presided over the largest expansion of the federal government history. They created the Department of Homeland Security, which is now just another thing leaked about them today about a domestic spying program they've been doing. But they did that. They did the Patriot Act. I mean, it was like that's what I was saying at the outset here. The mm-hmm. the word conservative doesn't really mean anything anymore. I mean, in this country, you could seriously question question it because you know, and like, what really concerns me is is how, as people in this country, residents, citizens, you know, how we're still not questioning it. We're still not sitting here as a group of and this thing I can't get my wrap my head around is how after you just given the COVID stat, um, how we're still not questioning. We're still. We're still saying stuff like that's the government's job. The government should do it. I, I think what's happened is we've been controlled for this two, three year period. And now we're actually asking even more. Now we're saying, as opposed to, you know what, was my first question was, was that necessary? But we just sacrificed our liberties and we should all feel a bit angry about them. We should all have some serious questions and we should have some real demands. Instead, what it seems like has happened is people are now saying, well, you know what? Well, maybe you should guys should get more involved in our energy as well. Maybe actually a state, you should actually be in, in charge of a lot more that goes on in some of these private companies. Maybe now you should actually get more involved in what's going on, the fact that um, I'm having some issues in my house. And I, I'm baffled at the fact that that has been a result of COVID. I presumed after having that much state power, people would start to think this is ludicrous and crazy. Mm-hmm. You need to start holding these guys accountable. Instead, it's it's been a reverse. I, I've seen stats a few days ago about how people want lockdowns during winter when the when the flu season is upon us. Uh, I've seen stats about how, and these are young people, old people, middle-aged people. I, I've seen stats more about people saying, of course, these are people with money who say that they're prepared to pay more taxes if that means that they we will help and support, the government will help and support the most vulnerable. Um, I'm seeing very little of people asking the question, um, is this necessary? What does this mean? These are our civil liberties. Anyone that tries to take these away, I want serious questions. I want to defend that, and I I am going to really scrutinize that. 
that i don't i'm not sure if that's happening um and so that that's my at the moment biggest concern and that's one of the reasons i've decided to get involved in my local community stuff by basically saying like it's it's on us it's on you it's on our community it's on us it's on us as a society to contribute and make this a better place it's not on rishi sunak it's not on this conservative labor government it's on us as people but what concerns me when when i when i do speak to people is i think there has been a definite shift in terms of what COVID has done to a lot of people's minds and not necessarily in a good way it has it seems to be more states should have the answers that they should they should know what we're doing that they should know um that they should have more power that they should as opposed to like like the stat we just gave about 99 percent more 99 percent mortality rate um what about the the there's a canada stat which shows 60 percent of um all deaths in canada happened in care homes and in a care home in canada um if you the moment you get admitted to a care home the average uh span that you will live once in a care home is one year typically speak obviously vary some people a few months some people a few years so essentially 60 percent of people that died from the virus in canada were always going to die mm. and so if i'm a canadian i would be looking at that stats horrified and start to think what did justin trudeau what did he just do okay be angry at justin trudeau mm. but also start to think what happens in the future like we should seriously be scrutinizing what has happened in the last two years i'm not saying have a for the sole purpose of going after Justin Trudeau as much as I dislike him or Boris Johnson or Joe Biden, Trump, mm. or whoever, but with the idea that we can, this can never happen again. And if it does, if someone does bring it up, then we need to seriously fight. Um, but I'm, I'm worried though, when I'm not seeing a lot of that kind of language or dialogue being used. Yeah. Maybe you guys just need more, uh, more rednecks, right? Because all of those <laughs> people here in America are definitely doing that, but it's, um, I it, it does seem like there are quite a few people pining for more government control, and I, I don't understand that. I mean, it feels a lot like when we first went to, um, like me personally, when I got to Iraq, I was kind of taken aback by how dependent, willfully dependent everybody was on the government, right? It was just how it was there. The state was powerful. You had no individual power. You were just lucky to be there. And... Um, right. You know, it, people forget this, but the first thing Saddam Hussein did when he came to power was rebuild all the schools and all the hospitals in the entire country of Iraq, right? That was the first thing he did. He spent a fuck ton of money on infrastructure to uh, essentially get people on the tit, right? And once we, once we got there and the Iraqi army was gone and we tried to help rebuild that country, it became very obvious that they were completely incapable of independence, right? Like they, they just, it didn't even occur to them that they might have to well, build their own communities at some point. You know what I mean? Well, sit, the people in Iraq, like the, like the Iraqis, they... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a completely foreign idea to them that they were just able to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Like, we, we would have community meetings with a community leader and be like, hey, um, you guys have X amount of citizens. You need X amount of power, so there's not constant rolling blackouts around here. Um, we need you guys to come together figure out where to put this power plant. We'll help you build it. We'll train engineers and blah, blah, blah. Nothing. Just crickets. You know what I mean? Just, they just looked around each other. It's like, no, nah, that's the government's job. I'm like, fuck, dude, no. That's your job. This is your community. And even by the time the by the time I left in the middle of 2008, it was still like that. I don't know if it improved or not. It certainly doesn't seem like it has. But it's um, 
it's almost like a uh, the same like a feudalistic attitude, right? Where that's the warden or governor's job. Like I don't, I just do, I just, I farm. That's what I do. And I don't really step in anybody else's lane. It's like, well, maybe, right? I mean, I guess it, it's, I, I, it just, we, I, we found it impossible to motivate people out of that. And I'm concerned that the West is starting to become like that. Well, here we've had talk of digital currencies, you know, similar. I, I don't know if, if the U.S. were part of that discussion, but I know our, our government was when we talked about digital currency, similar to the style of how China use mm. uh, China use it there, and so there, there seems no sign of it slowing down here. Um, what my what I'm hopeful is that within um, our party, within other parties, there there are there are people out there that are very much pushing against this. There are people who are vocally. Uh, criticizes things, but they are often ostracized by the media. The, the moment you start this dialogue here in the UK, um, you're you're 100 far right. We don't use Nazi as much, but far right's definitely we will use. Um, and yeah, you, you're pretty much uh, drowned in to to the abyss. You, you don't, you can't be having these discussions um, as freely um, on UK sort of media channels and stuff and. It does genuinely concern me, and you've given a good example of Iraq. I, there, there was um, one of my really good friends is Egyptian, and he gave a good example of when they revolted and removed uh, President Mubarak. Mm. And I remember saying to him at the time, "This is amazing! Like you've, your people have stood up to your evil dictator, and you've just, you know." And he was like, "Well, the thing is, you know, like what you don't understand as a Westerner is there are in that in our countries and in, in the way it works in the Middle East." We, we're not a flowing democracy out the way our culture is, where our religion is. We function under dictatorship. It's, mm. it's very difficult for us the way we have a strict code of laws. It's different to here. And I hope and pray we don't go down a similar route where, you know, I don't think we'll ever necessarily go that far, but um, we go down this route of state intervention. What I keep thinking on the more positive side, this is a cycle, cyclical, like the 60s, like the 70s. Now we had, I think, US had a similar um, issues with Jimmy Carter, mm. and we had our issues here with Labour Party. And then comes Reagan and Thatcher to come in and make these uh, massive sort of uh, changes. I'm hopeful something like that will happen here in the West again. Um, what form that comes about, where it comes from, to me isn't very clear at all. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful in overall. You know the fact that. You have a show like this and and you know we, we can discuss things like this would give me the the confidence and belief that this is a a temporary but very scary blip in in the west well let's hope so we'll keep an eye on it and uh we'll keep an eye on you as well keep us updated on your campaign uh, we got to get out of here but uh is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we leave no no uh yeah it's been great as always i think it's um like I said, I think this whole premise of this show is so, so relevant. And here in the UK, I know obviously you're mainly speaking to people in the US, but a lot of the issues, a lot of stuff that you've been talking about is so relevant to what is happening here. And um, I would urge everyone to really take these principles seriously. And if you can focus on one and make, you know, actively focus on one and do something about it, I think our countries will be in a better place for sure. Yeah, I do too. Uh, well, look, man, I appreciate you coming today. Tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. 
Yeah, so j- just my name, um, Sunil Sharma, UK. I- I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all the usual sort of social media stuff. My group is called Conserved Friends of the Commonwealth. You, you can see our website, uh, our Twitter and all that stuff, and you can always see the stuff that we're doing. Uh, make sure you add the UK to Sunil Sharma. It's uh, uh, not surprisingly a very common name. <laughs> that could be hard. If you just Google yeah, it, you know what? Growing up here, you can find a lot. <laughs> growing up here in the UK, I used to think it was most like, a uh, unique name i quickly found out when i got like linkedin that is li- there's literally millions of us you may so, as well be named yes. john smith yeah it's crazy yeah exactly uh well look man thanks again for coming today i really appreciate your time thank you dan yes sir yes. and thank you all for listening this has been citizen